It is clear now that 2024 will be the year of global instability. So hang on. We don't know the day or the hour, and it's silly to make predictions or set dates, and we don't do that. But, you know, we do know that Jesus, when he said no man knows the day or the hour, he followed that with, but, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man uh, comes again. And he gives some description of how life was on earth, as Luke records, buying and selling, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that they, uh, Noah and company entered the ark. Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell, Radio for the Remnant. Brought to you by Olive Tree Ministries. Today, Jan visits with two special guests, Pastor Barry Stagner and former White House correspondent and journalist, Bill Koenig. The new year promises to be a bumpy ride. There is instability on every front. We'll talk about that. Here is today's programming. So if you have a desire to kill the Jews and uh, are marching uh, chanting the mantra, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. You have decided that that you are against the God of the Bible and you are for uh, the Allah of Islam. And basically, you've made your decision to follow Satan. And, uh, you know, the, this is just demonic in nature. And I don't apologize for saying something as strong as that, because the truth is you are either for Jesus or you are against him. He is still the king of the Jews. He is still the Holy One of Israel. He is still the root and offspring of David. He is still the bright and morning star. He is still the king of kings and Lord of lords. He is still coming back to Jerusalem. He is still coming back to have his feet touched down on the Mount of Olives. He is still going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. He is still the Holy One of Israel. He is still the God of his chosen people. And they are someday going to look upon the one whom they pierced and mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And listen, you know, Zechariah chapter 12 says, all who would heave Jerusalem away or divide the city will be cut into pieces. And so this is not wise to be uh, marching with such foolish chants that are inspired by the devil. Welcome to the program. That was the familiar voice of my guest for part one of today's program. I'm going to talk to Pastor Barry Stagner just momentarily. And part two of my program, we're going to be talking to former White House correspondent Bill Koenig. But we are carrying Pastor Barry Stagner's newest book, The Time of These Signs, A Chronology of Earth's Final Events. And I enjoy it so much. I actually have a written testimonial inside the book. We do consider signs of the times frequently here on Understanding the Times Radio. It says in the book of Daniel that there is coming a time when these issues will be understood by the wise. The implication is that when the last generation arrives, we will know it, and these things will make a lot more sense to us. So we're going to talk about a number of issues. Now, let me clarify right up front here. Most of the signs of the times, not all, but most of them, herald the second coming of Christ. But the rapture of the church precedes that by seven years. And also remember that Jesus chastised the Pharisees. They didn't know the signs. They knew the signs of the weather, but they did not know the signs of Jesus coming back at that time. So we'll talk about that for a few minutes and we'll get into some real specifics. Pastor Barry Stagner, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, Jan. It's always an honor to be on with you. 
Critics will say there have always been earthquakes, always been war, always been pestilence. What makes our generation so unique that we're talking about signs of the times? After all, this is a fallen planet, so these things always happen. Things are always going haywire. My hunch is you're going to refer to an event that happened, and you're in my lifetime, but give me an answer. One of the things I think that's important to remember is that when Jesus talked about those things and mentioned those things in what I call the preamble to the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, 3-8, he was answering a question. And the question was, what are the signs of his coming in the end of the age? So the fact that he mentions those things and then calls them the beginning of sorrows, which could also be translated as the commencement of birth pangs, he's saying there's going to be a generation where these normal course of life events have a birth pang-like progression that begins. And I think that's why it's important to not just overlook the fact that he said there's going to be earthquakes and pestilence and famines and nation rising against nation and ethnic tensions and false Christ. But his answer, again, was in relation to the question. It wasn't just a random statement. Peter, Andrew, James, and John asked him specifically about signs, and these are the things that he initially listed. Right, but the happening that makes at least modern times so unique is that the dry bones came back to life in 1948, and that set the stage for these last day's activities. Oh, absolutely. May 14th, 1948, put the prophetic calendar in motion without question. And, you know, Jan, one of the interesting and awesome things about the time in which we live is there's been two times in the course of human history where there's been a flurry of fulfilled prophecy. And the prophecies began being fulfilled at Jesus' supernatural conception, the first time he came, and then being called out of Egypt, and born in Bethlehem, and all the other things associated with his first coming. And then when his ministry began, there was a massive flurry of prophetic fulfillment. The lame walked, the blind saw, the hungry were fed, the gospel was preached, and Jesus fulfilled a multitude of prophecies. And now here we are seeing again a spattering of prophetic fulfillment Mm. that started in May 14th, 1948, but now they're getting more intense and more frequent, just like birth pangs would on a woman who's in labor. So I think he's coming to meet the church in the air very soon, and then the tribulation will break forth on the earth sometime after that, and then we will return with Christ at the end of the tribulation period as he rules and reigns in righteousness from Jerusalem. Barry Stagner is pastor of Calvary Central Orange County, formerly Calvary Chapel, Tustin, California, and you can find them online at calvarycoc.org. Calvarycoc.org stands for Calvary Central Orange County. Barry was our guest back in October for our One Night Understanding the Times event here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Co-hosts Pastor Mark Henry and yours truly. Barry Stagner, I'm going to your book right now, and I am turning to your chapter on signs in the church. And I just want to read two paragraphs and then comment on what you write here. You say, if we consider the various scriptures that tell us of the spiritual state of what is called the church in the last days, we will find that they all have a common thread. They speak of a defection from long-held biblical truth. Today, these truths are being replaced with culturally sensitive messages that leave the listener feeling better about their fallen condition with no unction in their spirits to repent or change their ways. And then you conclude your thoughts here by saying, one of the primary points for us to consider 
about what will develop in the church during the time of the signs is this. In the last days, church will become an activity rather than an identity. And then you conclude, when it comes to the last days, we can no longer limit our understanding of the word church to mean born-again believers. Yes, the church is made up of people, but these days it's not just people who congregate on Sundays in a building set aside for the purpose of having a church service. Much of what is called church today is often what Pastor Vance Havner described as an old Adam improvement society. What he meant is that some churches have become places where the messages are crafted to increase people's life experience with little regard, if any, for the condition of the souls in attendance. In other words, I think you're saying, Pastor Barry Stagner, that a lot of churches are emphasizing your best life now. But how does what I just read tie into the whole theme of the time of the signs? Paul mentioned that a time would come in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he's pointing to the future. In other words, he was telling Timothy, who he was writing to, the time is not now, but there is a time coming where men will not endure sound doctrine. And that word endure can also be rightfully translated as put up with. And people won't put up with apostolic doctrines in many cases today, but they prefer those who will tickle their ears. And even Paul said, They'll heap up teachers who will tell them the things that will scratch their itch, figuratively speaking. And we have a lot of that going on today as people, as Vance Havner said, want to improve their fleshly experience here on the earth and their old nature being satisfied with the blessing of the church. And that's a lot of what we're seeing today. And you mentioned your best life now and things along that line that are being taught in so many places today. And that's exactly what they're about. They're about improving your life circumstance by faith or just having a better outlook. Yet nobody's being told many times that you need to repent and that God has a plan for you. And one of the things that's avoided in these places is what John records, that in this life, you will have tribulation. Mm -hmm. Jan, you and I both know life as a believer, life in ministry is hard. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, David wrote, but the Lord does deliver us out of them all. I believe that deliverance is coming very soon in the form of that moment and twinkling of an eye experience for the church. Speaking of the church, it can be a lonely world for the believer wanting like-minded fellowship in a church climate, which doesn't make this whole last day scenario any easier because of this loneliness of the remnant believer, and you hear about that plenty, and remnant believers trying to find like-minded fellowship, trying to find a pro-Israel church, a pro-prophecy church, etc., getting more and more difficult to find. I think we have to conclude that we are in Laodicea. Would that be right? Oh, absolutely. I believe that there is very definitely a chronology to the letters to the seven churches. History would bear that out, especially as we look now and examine the church today, where Jesus said to the church of Laodicea, which by the way, Laodicea is a compound word, which means the people rule, which goes exactly with what Paul wrote about in 2 Timothy chapter 4. The people are ruling the church. In other words, they're telling the pastor what they want to hear, and if he doesn't preach what they want to hear, they just move on and find Mm -hmm. a place that is teaching what they want to hear. Without question, we are seeing this develop in the prophetic scenario, And, you know, it goes along with what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount about 
if those who are light bearers are trampled underfoot by the world, we've ceased being the light of the world that we're called to be. And when we lose our savor, when we lose our preserving and purifying influence, then we're going to get run over by the world. And that's a lot of what's happening in the church today. It's a sad testimony, but it likens our day with the days of Noah. Well, I'm going there, and I want to play a little soundbite. It happens to be you. You're being interviewed, and you indicate on the soundbite that, okay, it says we don't know the day or the hour, but there is a big clue when talking about, again, the time of the signs. That happens to be the name of Pastor Barry Stagner's new book. There's a time of description likening it to the days of Noah. We don't know the day or the hour, and it's silly to make predictions or set dates, and we don't do that. But, you know, we do know that Jesus, when he said, no man knows the day or the hour, he followed that with, but as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man uh, comes again. And he gives some description of how life was on earth, as Luke records, buying and selling, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that they uh, Noah and company entered the ark. And, you know, we're living in the days that were as they were in Noah's. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're living around people who are going to go into the tribulation. Yeah, so right. we need to tell them what's coming. We need to let them know that there's going to guy uh, be a guy that rises up from the geographic region of the Pax Romana, the Roman Empire. And he's going to lead the world into a a unity that it's not experienced, solve the Middle East crisis, allow the Jews to build their temple. He's going to require some type of mark of identification on your hand or your forehead that allows you to conduct commerce. And and all these things that the Bible says, they're going to happen. Mm -hmm. And people now who won't receive the good news of the gospel, when they see those things begin to be fulfilled, then they'll check the rest of it out, I believe. If you join me late, you're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Jan Markell. I have on the line from Southern California, Pastor Barry Stagner, Calvary Central Orange County, formerly Calvary Chapel, Tustin, California. And you can find them online at calvarycoc.org, calvarycoc.org. I think, Pastor Barry, you've changed location, you've changed title. We did have to move, Jan. Actually, the city we moved out of, there's another Calvary Chapel that had planted there. And we didn't want to keep that name and not allow them to have access to it. You are having your annual proximity conference Saturday, January 27th, folks. And you can stream it at no cost. You can stream it on the Behold Israel YouTube, Facebook. Featured will be Pastor Barry Stagner, Amir Sarfati. Amir will be live, but he will be on video coming from Israel. Mike Golay. Certainly be talking about a lot of the current things going on. That's Saturday, January 27th. I've had the privilege of being a part of that, 2019 and 2020. Be an excellent day of understanding the times from a biblical and prophetic perspective. Am I missing anything important? I think the conference is probably sold out, correct? Yes, and Jan, it's a little bit upside down this year as far as the schedule of the day. To accommodate Amir, they're 10 hours ahead of us. He's going to kick off the day, and the normal... Q&A that closes out today will actually be the second session. Okay. So I know that's one of the more popular elements of any prophecy conference. So those who want to make sure they catch that need to make sure that they tune in to the morning sessions. And then Amir will be able to go to bed and Mike will speak after lunch and then I'll close out the day. Boy, there's plenty to talk about. And by the way, folks, we carry this new book, Time of the Science, olivetreeviews.org, olivetreeviews.org. 
go to my online store. You can call my office as well. Get on our newsletter list. Transitioning just for a moment here, a little bit how everything changed back on October the 7th. And you write, you may have given it as the message, the whole world changed in a day. I have written the day that changed the world. So we're on the same page here. So as we speak, Israel is involved in a battle on seven fronts, which is staggering. Nation size of New Jersey in a battle on seven fronts. And you were with us here in Minneapolis on Thursday, October the 5th. Obviously, no one knew except the radicals in Hamas and probably Hezbollah and the Iranians that this was going to break on October the 7th. Give me your thoughts when this happened, because as we say, the world changed in a day. It was particularly a powerful day because Mira and I were at a conference in Philadelphia when the news broke. The whole day was restructured because Amir was really having a time yeah. dealing with what he was hearing. And of course, there'd be an emotional response and concern. And so just having that component increased the experiential level of that day to be so close with somebody sitting in the same room, watching them agonize. And I don't know if I can teach, but I have to. And so it was just an incredibly powerful moment to watch this whole thing kick off. And ever since then, of course, it's just been stunning to see how rapidly that things have progressed. And Jan, I was looking at the famed passage of Zechariah. We're all talking about it, Zechariah 12, 3. But in watching what's happening right now, as you just mentioned a moment ago, they're fighting on seven fronts. And to be honest with you, I'd never really noticed this before, but I think that there is possibly a progression that is mentioned in Zechariah chapter 12, where the Lord says, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples. The surrounding peoples right now are the ones who are looking at Jerusalem in that manner with a drunken hatred and animosity toward the nation of Israel. And then he talks later about the fact that all the nations will be gathered against Israel. So I think there's possibly something that's being communicated to us there that we couldn't see until now mm-hmm. as we're watching it develop, that this thing is going to broaden out. So if we are at the initial stages, then the portion that is going to be fulfilled during the tribulation can't be that far off. Therefore, we should be looking up because our redemption is nigh. I find it interesting, and you highlight this as well, that this is the first time that Israel and the church have existed at the same time. Now, the disappointing thing of the last three and a half months has been that, by and large, many, many churches are not informing their people. They're not praying for the peace of the Middle East. They're ignoring all of this, which has been the giant letdown. A lot of people in those churches brokenhearted, as a matter of fact. But again, like we point out, first time ever, church in Israel exists at the same time. And there has to be, therefore, a transition into when God deals specifically with the nation of Israel, as Daniel 9 talks about, your people and the holy city, which are the Jews in Jerusalem. That 70th week of Daniel, I believe, is on the horizon where God's going to deal with one group specifically, and that is the nation of Israel. And of course, there's going to be saints during the tribulation, people getting saved. The Holy Spirit's still going to be drawing people to the Lord. And that's one of the questions that often comes up. How will people be saved if the Holy Spirit's gone? Well, the Holy Spirit can't go anywhere. He's God. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time, like the Father and the Son in the Spirit. God is going to be on the move during that time. But I think that this is really a time for us to have 
probably the greatest sense of desperation for mm-hmm. lost souls around us that we've ever had and a sense of urgency and maybe just abandon all of our restrictions that we have personally and emotionally and just tell people about the Lord and keep throwing the net out because as the clip said, we're living around people who are going to go into this That's time right. of tribulation like the world has never seen. Every one of my listeners knows somebody who's going to be left behind. Absolutely. Yes, and they need to know. And when we start unveiling and that, if we really think about it, the component of the Bible that makes it unique amongst all religious writings, obviously the divine inspiration, but the prophetic elements of it. There's no other book that speaks about the future with the clarity that a history book can speak on the past and even give us details about the present. But the Bible tells us what's coming. And when we have confidence in that, when we recognize that the Lord has promised that he was going to call his people back out of the nations that he scattered them to. And Jan, one of the most important things about the nation of Israel, as you mentioned, backs up before all of this that we know and have examined in Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39. It's in Ezekiel 36 where the Lord tells Israel, 36 verses 20 and 21, he says, I'm not doing this for your sake. I'm doing this for my name's sake. Because every day you were outside of your nationally covenanted homeland, my name was being profaned. Because people were saying, are these the people of God? And they're not within the homeland that God gave them. So the Lord brought them back for his name's sake. And that's why we need to be very, very careful about standing against Israel or diminishing Israel's role in the last day scenario. Playing one more clip, I'm going back a little more than a year ago, and it's a prophecy roundtable with yourself and Amir Safadi, myself, and Michael Lay, and this was a roundtable on the times of the signs, which again is exactly what you're writing about, what we're talking about. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4 says, You, Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Pastor Barry, when we talked earlier, you said this is probably a key verse to this whole discussion today. Can you elaborate on it? Well, absolutely. It tells us that there's going to be a specific season of human history where prophecy is better understood than in any prior generation. And Daniel, who held the pen when the Spirit inspired the words that he wrote down, didn't even understand fully all that he was writing, even though he was given specifics and definitions or interpretations of some of the things that he wrote. He was told these words are sealed until the time of the end. Now, that tells us a couple of things. One, the generation that sees these things begin to come to pass is therefore the last generation that will see them all come to pass. And therefore, I think especially as we consider the fact that We are watching these things that began to escalate and move forward once Israel became a nation once again. And therefore, we have a clarity regarding Bible prophecy that previous Bible teachers and scholars didn't have simply by the fact that Daniel said this. So we're a lot closer to the picture than previous Christians were. And we can see things being fulfilled that weren't even possible to be interpreted until the time of the end. And that's where we're at right now. You want to further comment, Bria Stegner? Well, I think that's exciting. I just taught a message on Sunday at the church called Unexpected. And this is one of the elements of the days in which we live, where we can see clearly what Jesus was talking about when he said in Matthew 24, 44, 
that you also be ready for I'm coming at a time that you do not expect. And the expectation of the rapture of the church today is just incredibly low. Many churches don't believe in it at all. Others believe, like you've got this whole NAR group that thinks that the church has to have dominion over seven mountains of power before Jesus can come back. And it's just this rapidly growing section of the church. And I use that term carefully. But the rapture, the belief in the rapture is really at a minimum, I would say, in these last days. And we can see that clearly. And I think that's what Daniel was pointing to, that there is a time, a season, a generation, if you will, if we want to compare that to the Olivet Discourse, that will not pass away, that's going to watch these things, the precursors, and then we'll be gone for the fulfillment of much of it. But we have better prophetic clarity than any generation before us, just because we're living closer to the fulfillment than other generations were. Check out the books in my store, olivetreeviews.org. It's the Time of the Signs, a chronology of Earth's final events. I'm so enthused about it. I have an endorsement inside the book, as does Emir Safadi, Jack Hibbs, and others. And again, catch Barry Stagner's weekly online, The Lineup. I believe he streams that live on Thursday evening on YouTube. Probably your social media too, Facebook, etc., Barry Stagner. Yes, Instagram, all the usual stops. And then don't forget the Proximity Prophecy Conference, Saturday, January 27th. What time does that start, Pacific time? Starts at 9 a.m. Pacific. Again, Amir Tsarfati will be live, but he won't be in the facility. He'll be from Israel. Mike Golay, Barry Stagner, have a Q&A. You can stream it at Behold Israel YouTube channel, Behold Israel social media, Barry Stagner social media as well. I think I've covered it all. Again, he's pastor of Calvary Central Orange County, calvaryc.org. Barry Stagner, we will stay in touch. Again, thanks for all you do, and thank you for writing your latest masterpiece here. Appreciate it. Thank you, Janet. Thank you especially for your very kind endorsement of the book. You're very welcome. Coming up is former White House correspondent Bill Koenig. Do we have some things to talk about? Oh, my goodness. Don't go away. Coming right back. We're living in the most important time uh, in in biblical history. And again, the time clock is uh, Israel and Jerusalem. The entire international community wants to divide the city of Jerusalem. And we know that in Zechariah 12.3, it will become a burdensome stone. And those that attempt to move it or do something with it will be injured. And uh, what a blessing to be living in a time such as this. Welcome to part two of my programming today. And that was the familiar voice of Bill Koenig, who spent 20 years in the White House press corps, serving with President George W. Bush, Barack Hussein Obama, and Donald Trump. And he is one of the strongest friends of Israel in American leadership, I believe. His classic book is Eye to Eye, Facing the Consequences of Dividing Israel. He considers the consequences of forcing Israel to give up God-given land. I began working with Bill back in 2002, and he was most recently the guest at our one-night Understanding the Times conference in Minneapolis last August with co-host Pastor Mark Henry. And yours truly shared the program that evening with Michelle Bachman. You can watch that on our website under video or get a DVD. It was a very, very interesting evening. Bill, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Jan. Always a pleasure to be with you. You are familiar with Washington and some of the troubling, troubling things that transpire there, but did you ever think you would see an effort to keep a presidential candidate off the ballot? Never, ever in my lifetime. 
I thought we would experience what's happening politically. This is absolutely absurd. And even to the point, Jan, it's very difficult. And even at times, I don't even care to read the articles Mm. because they're so absurd. We never thought we'd live in a day like this. And again, this shows you the potential threat of a Trump presidency, another Trump presidency. Mm. You know, he has his own style. There's no doubt about it. But he was extremely effective. He was the best friend that Israel's ever had in the White House. He did more for Israel than any other American presidents combined. And the world was relatively safe. I say a lot more safe than it is today. And Israel knew they had a friend in the White House. Here we are, Jan, uh, 2024, like no other time. you have any thoughts on how it might play out in November? Now, Michelle Obama did speak up and say that she was having a nightmare scenario envisioning how everything might play out in 2024 if it were to go the wrong way in her impression, let's say a conservative wave. She was horrified and many thanked, including your friend and mine, Michelle Bachman, on this program who insists that she will be inserted as a last-minute effort. Well, anything's plausible at this time. I don't think she is interested in being the candidate, but along with her husband, Barack Obama, and Bill Clinton in November 2020, said if there had been a red wave, democracy as we know it would no longer exist. And that's kind of what she's alluding to, even Joe Biden did last week. So I think if it looked very, very desperate, they might insert her and she might agree to be inserted. It's possible. At this point, only God knows how this is going to play out. I'm not too worried at this point, but that is possible. Bill Koenig, as we speak, America is pressuring Israel something unbelievable. She's been attacked. She's had mass slaughter of innocent civilians. There's a threat of more mass slaughters, certainly in the West Bank, otherwise known as Judea and Samaria. She's surrounded by enemies on seven enemy fronts. Unbelievable, a nation the size of New Jersey. I just want to play a real quick clip of Amir Sarfati, and he has given some incredible updates, and many of us follow him on Telegram, where his updates are, I think, absolutely the very best. But then I want your comment. We are in a, on a path for direct confrontation with the United States. President Biden, in, in a year of election, he doesn't want to anger the far left. He also wants the votes of the Muslims in Michigan. He can't afford losing uh, anyone from his potential bank of voters. So now we feel the pressure here uh, of the coming elections in America. Uh, I can tell you, folks, from stuff that I know, and I am not going to say more than I can because I don't want to be banned on Facebook and YouTube, but I will tell you that a lot of military folks in America don't sleep at night because of what they know that China is planning. Uh, I will not get into details, but what I know is, let's put it this way, what China can do to America is far worse than what Hamas can do to Israel. So, and um, these are very, very troubling things. And the problem is that President Biden wants to stay uh, passive throughout this year of election, which is exactly what all the enemies of Israel and America want. They want him to just have a show of force, but not use it. By the way, quite a few American soldiers were hit. Some of them were killed in a U.S. bases 
in Syria, over 150 incidents of pro-Iranian militias attacking U.S. bases already took place since uh, since the middle of October, and very, very few retaliations from the Americans. Biden brings the, the Navy and Air Force and so many things, and yet America is not using them from some strange reason. So, um, a lot of stuff is going to happen. 2024 is a year that will really keep us on our knees. That's what I can tell you. So, Bill, as we speak, and certainly in the last week or so, Anthony Blinken pressuring Israel, Joe Biden pressuring Israel, the EU pressuring Israel, the International Criminal Court pressuring Israel to stop the war, stop the advancements, no advancement with Hezbollah. What are your thoughts on what you just heard from Amir Sarfati? I agree with a lot of what Amir said. I think China continues to be the greatest threat to the United States. The big concern, I spoke to a former Goldman Sachs person last year who's a Chinese national. He said that if the international community strongly supports Taiwan, China will move in soon. If they don't, it'll be five to seven years. We know that they have cyber capability and also electromagnetic pulse capability. But then again, also, their economy relies on the United States, I think up to possibly 50% of their economy and exports to the United States. So from that factor, I'm watching that very closely. I think that's a viable concern. What Amir's talking about, Israel, the Middle East, we've just moved the Gerald Ford out of the area. It had been there 90 days. That's a major aircraft carrier. The United States leadership, Biden administration, does not seem as prone to support Israel right now. Lincoln and others want to see the war in Gaza stopped. They're concerned about the humanitarian crisis. And it reminds me of when Obama was in office. Our allies did not trust him, and the enemies of the United States did not fear him. And this is Biden administration again. And the international community, the EU, is putting extraordinary pressure on Israel to comply through the International Criminal Court. So we're going to be watching that very closely, Janet, in the weeks ahead. And once again, it's looking like Israel could be isolated and put to the side, and Israel's going to have to make some very difficult internal decisions on where they go from this point forward. My concern would be the consequences to America, particularly for the pressure they are applying on Israel. Nobody knows that scenario better than you. And Catherine Herridge, just a week or two ago, came out with a terrible warning. 2024 may be the year of a black swan event. This is a national security event with high impact that's very hard to predict. Um, there are a number of cons uh, concerns that I have that factor into that. Not only this uh, sort of enduring heightened threat level that we're facing, uh, the wars in Israel, also Ukraine. And we're so divided in this country in ways that we haven't seen before. And I think that just creates fertile ground for our adversaries like North Korea, China and Iran. And that's what uh, concerns me most. And she's right. I mean, the United States is particularly vulnerable. It's deeply divided, as she says. Its military has been weakened, poorly directed spending and woke political considerations. Enemies have new tools with which to harm us. Your thoughts on Catherine Herridge's comment? Well, that's interesting. Coming from a CBS journalist, used to be at Fox. Yeah. Obviously, she's sensing something, Jan. And I think a lot of us that watch things closely, like you and a lot of our friends on a daily basis, 
this 2024 will not be ordinary. And I think that when you look at the eye to eye, the consequences of pressuring Israel to make peace with their enemy or to stop their defending of themselves, there could be another black swan event. I mean, we had 9-11 was a black swan event. George W. Bush finished his negotiations with Crown Prince Abdullah on 9-10. The coronavirus crisis, January 28, 2020, the Bush-Kushner plan was introduced with Netanyahu there endorsing it. And that afternoon, White House advisor Peter Navarro says, we have a major problem coming. It's called coronavirus. This must be taken serious. We only had a couple cases in America at that time, but it was the same day. So I think a third black swan event of significance that could affect America based on the eye-to-eye pattern could be what could happen in 2024 if the Biden administration puts Israel into a vulnerable position, which could influence or affect their security and them going forward. If you just joined me, you're listening to Understanding the Times Radio, Jan Markell. Have on the line from Texas, Bill Koenig. You can learn more at his outstanding website, watch.org. Watch.org. You can sign up for his weekly e-newsletter, Koenig's Eye View from the White House. He served in the White House press corps 20 years under three administrations. And what we're talking about, at least in the last few paragraphs, would be the theme and subject of his book, Eye to Eye, Facing the Consequences of Dividing Israel. I'm just wanting to do a little side detour here, Bill, and ask you this. And I did hear your very excellent interview with Sam Rohrer, and I think it was titled 2024, The Year of Impending Instability. You did reference the economy. Obviously, it is in somewhat of a free fall, as you said. Bidenomics is obviously America's collapsing under Bidenomics, tax and spend, etc. $34 trillion in debt. We'll never pay it back. We're rushing towards socialism, even Marxism. We have 60% of our population living paycheck to paycheck, credit card debt, etc. And then, as you brought out, very interesting, so many buildings at risk of default. 70% in default in various places, thanks again to higher interest rates. Tell me where you see some of this going. And we've got a whole year here yet before the November election. So we've got, what, 10, 11 months. But give me your thoughts on this incredibly horrific economy. Jan, I spent 20 years in commercial real estate with a major international real estate company. Lived through some peaks and valleys and good times and depressions, especially in Texas in the late 80s, early 90s. According to Bloomberg News, 72% of the office buildings in Washington, D.C. are at risk of default. And that's 70% in San Francisco. You also have a lot of retail shopping centers that are at risk of default. You have apartments as well. These loans have to be refinanced. They cash flowed at lower interest rates, but if you move it to higher interest rates, it's going to affect the viability of real estate and lead to the risk of default. I remember talking to you about this back in 7, 8, and 9, that this could be the implosion. But the Federal Reserve threw a tremendous amount of money at it. The U.S. government threw a tremendous amount of money at the economy. So here we are today with $34 trillion of debt that has kept the implosion from happening. I don't know how much more the Federal Reserve can do, and I don't know how much more the U.S. government can do, 
Well, I think I saw the other day where our debt service just on our U.S. obligations is over $1 trillion now. When you connect the dots, in the past, when it looked pretty bleak, the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government came in for the bailout. How much more can they do? I don't want to be pessimistic, but we're going into an extraordinarily different time, not only in the United States economically, but internationally. Well, again, 38% of companies say they are likely to have layoffs in 2024. 52% are likely to implement a hiring freeze in 2024. More than 3,000 retail locations were shut down in 2023. What in the world is up ahead? Four in 10 say layoffs are due to replacing workers with artificial intelligence. I don't know that happy days are ahead. I really don't, Bill. I mean, I'd like to believe that things can improve, but how on earth do you turn this kind of a ship around seriously? What we're doing, Jan, we're watching this very, very carefully. We're obviously, I think the only positive thing about the coronavirus epidemic was the fact it pulled the cover off the World Economic Forum and their plan, as you've covered so well over the last few years, the move toward a digital currency, digital passports, as you and Michelle have covered on the World Health Organization, desire to have the United States more accountable. So you're seeing the globalists, King Charles and others, make their moves. This is a possibility of turning an adversity into an opportunity for their plan. We'll be watching Davos carefully, uh, what comes out of there in their annual meeting of the powers of the world. And every time, I think Catherine Austin Fitz spoke of how the 9-11 crisis and how the coronavirus crisis was used by Mr. Global to bring us to a period such as this. We'll watch this very carefully. But, Jan, you know, we're blessed. We have the Bible. We know what to follow. And we're definitely in those final days that Jewish prophets and Jesus spoke of in the Bible. Amen. Going back a little bit here to the Middle East, I think what we're watching for is you and I have talked about Iran and the red line that Israel has, quite frankly. I guess we could say even Iran has a red line. I want to play this short clip. It is of you. And then I want to come back and talk about it. But Iran has a plan. And like you always say, they are very, very patient. Do you think Israel, uh, do you think Israel is, gonna, is going to uh, strike Iran soon or at all? They have, you know, that's a good question. I think what's uh, what's interesting, uh, in the summer of 2016, uh, two of our former ambassadors, uh, Jeffords and Crocker, uh, to Syria and Iraq, said that they thought that Israel was real close to being at the red line of making a move on the Russian and Iranian and Syrian troops that were moving toward Israel's northern border. And that was very close, but then they backed off and, and moved. So in other words, Israel had a red line in that situation. I don't know what the Israel's red line is right now, but you, you know, throughout history, Olivier, the, the strength of, Iran, uh, of, of Israel is to be preemptive, to hit before they get hurt. Six day war is a great example. But I think that um, there is a red line. Uh, Israel uh, needs to be careful. Uh, we had a, a, a a briefing in 2019 by the uh, the IDF spokesperson, who now you've seen on TV quite a quite a bit, Jonathan, the retired spokesperson, and he said that you know we understand what Hezbollah has. They have 150,000 rockets, and at that time they didn't have the 15,000 missiles deployed. But we know it. We know the market. And even a former general told a friend of mine. He said the next war we have with Hezbollah uh, and in southern Lebanon, Syria, 
there'll be areas uninhabitable for 10 years. So with all that said, they have obviously Iran's part of the equation. Uh, I don't know if we're there yet. Uh, Iran is strategic, very patient, and they got a plan. And when you look at it, Olivier, when you look at all the nuclear scientists that have been taken out, uh, Soleimani was taken out. I mean, he was such a powerful individual. When you look at all the rocket shipments that have been taken out uh, in Syria and Lebanon, and Iran has not made the move to this point. Bill, we're talking global instability. And my question and my thought and my concern is, again, Israel potentially striking Iran here. You talk about things spiraling out of control, should that happen. My hunch is she would be on her own. Would you agree? Yes, Jen, you know, we've talked about this before. Jeremiah 49, 34 through 39, it talks about Elam, modern-day Iran. Bill Salas and others have talked about the attack would be in the southern part of Iran. Even prior to the Ezekiel 38 and 39 conflict, that's where the nukes are, the southern part of the country. They are very close. Possibly you already have a bomb. And when you look at Israel, the context in the plan that Iran has, speaking for Iran, when Iran is 100% ready, then they'll make the move to do something in an attempt to wipe out the state of Israel. We know that will not happen biblically and that Israel has to determine when that is. Their intelligence is superior and they very likely will be on their own. We'd hope the United States would be part of that but at this point, biblically and otherwise, I think it's going to be Israel. And Jan, only God knows how soon that is, but we are certainly rapidly moving toward that time. Absolutely. With Iran stirring the pot in the Middle East, again, Israel had a conflict on seven fronts, seven enemies, and most of them are trained and financed by Iran. How long is Israel going to take it before she just strikes the head of the snake? I maintain she will. But again, she'll do it all on her own. God will help her. Absolutely. When you look at Iran, they're so crafty. They're so clever. Yes, they are. They're playing their little cat and mouse games with the Houthis. There's a lot of missiles deployed there now, according to Intel. Also in Iraq with the drones and rockets. They're toying. I mean, they're literally toying with the United States and Israel. Kind of testing, getting attention. Same thing Hezbollah is doing. That's just the brashness of these people. It's still mind-boggling that the United Nations allows the president of Iran to speak there every year with the scathing comments that they make about the state of Israel, about the elimination of Israel, and that that person should have an audience at the United Nations. This is an absolute farce. It's happened for many, many years, as well as no accountability for the comments that the leadership of Iran has stated about the wiping out of the great Satan and the little Satan which is the United States and Israel, specifically Israel. That's more of our focus, especially with the area that Israel occupies. Stay up to date with Bill and the articles he's posting, his comments, watch.org on the web, W-A-T-C-H. Sign up for his e-newsletter once a week at his subscription, Koenig's Eye View from the White House. Now, Bill, Amir Sarfati made reference there of what China has in mind for us, and we don't know. We just know that they're certainly the arch enemy of the entire world, really, in 2024. And you made a comment to me that the threat from China would probably be a cyber threat. Give me your thoughts on that, because that is a very ominous thought. We're hearing this from some interesting sources. Leo Holman, who's a friend of you, Michelle Bachman, and also this Frank Phillips with Epoch has talked about something like that as well. 
then you hear from time to time Frank Gaffney, Kevin Jessup, and others speak to this and just their capability. I mean, we saw a couple of years ago, Jan, the hacking of major companies here in America, that Polonio pipeline that was up in the Northeast. We've seen some other cyber attacks on airlines and others here in the United States. They're capable of doing this. I mean, China, Russia, North Korea are the three, and you can probably add Iran to that, are the four greatest threats to a major cyber attack on America. We have five power grids, four in the U.S. and then one in Texas, and those are extremely vulnerable. I think that was 2012, 2011, when we had a major blackout in the Northeast United States and how catastrophic that was. So obviously that's a concern. Again, Jan, I look at God's protective hand over America. I mentioned earlier, 9-11, coronavirus, which spread to the world. I think if we stay on the right side of Israel, then some of these problematic events will not happen here in our country. But when I look at God's protective hand over America, what would precipitate a cyber attack or an EMP attack happening? And I believe it would have to be something very significant or drastic. Because God is our supernatural protection in America as he is for Israel. Playing one more clip of you that I want to come back and talk about. We're going to be very short on time, but it's a very worthy topic. We've got to remember on 9-22nd, on September 22nd, uh, Netanyahu was at the uh, United Nations talking about a new peace, a new time for the Middle East. He was talking about the U.S. brokered Israel-Saudi deal normalization deal. And even Ben Ben Salman, the Saudi leader, was telling the world, this is a new period. This is a new time. So to have both those leaders so uh, enthusiastic and bold at the UN to two weeks later, when we were in Oklahoma City on October 6th, to see what happened, what a contrast from a new day of peace in the Middle East. No one knew for sure what kind of deal that Netanyahu was going to cut with Ben Salman and then to see it go to that extreme is, is extraordinary. But with all that said, the United States, uh, is, is, you know, Biden has said a lot of the right things, but the United States speechwriters are writing it for him. But our concern, Tom, right now, and even after his speech the other night to the United States, is $105 billion, $60 billion plus to the Ukraine, $15, 16000000000 billion or so to Israel, and then billions, of, I think $4 or $5 billion to the the region around Taiwan. So basically, and he was talking uh, 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 boldly about Putin, I'm trusting him in some pretty strong language. And I'm going, what is he trying to do? Is he trying to provoke a conflict, a further conflict with uh, Russia and China because of Taiwan and Iran because of their uh, aspirations in the Middle East? So that's something we watch really carefully. And if this does go into a third world war, or some type of very significant conflict, will it move us into the period of time, the World Economic Forum that we've been following so closely, be able to implement their plan uh, on the uh, trail of this? So that's uh, th- this is just an, a very unusual time in so many ways, but the players are all doing something in different degrees. So I think that's what captivates our interest, Tom, is you know how far will this go? But we certainly see the acceleration of players taking their final day positions. Okay, Nick, we have talked about some very troubling things in this segment of Understanding the Times Radio. We can't go out of the program on a down note. How do we encourage people? And I'm down to about two minutes. At this point, we just really need to spend quality time with the Lord 
a lot of time in his word, pray with our friends, and at the same time, seize the moment when it comes to salvation, sharing Jesus with family, friends, and whoever the Lord puts in front of you. These are exciting, and I say it's difficult to use that word at times, exciting, but these are very serious days. But we're also very blessed because we understand the biblical significance of the days we're living in. But the Lord says, stay captive, stay busy till he comes, share the gospel. God loved us so much, he gave us his handbook, the Bible. So we have a better understanding of this time we're living in because of his scriptures. It's a privilege and challenge to be born for such a time as this, Bill Koenig. It really is. It's incredible time at the same time. It takes its hold on everybody. It really does. It does, Jan, it does. But I tell you, we have to keep pressing in, not have fear, not have worry, and spend time in church, spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer, and encourage each other. We've been at this a long time, Jan. I certainly didn't think we'd still be here, but nonetheless, we are. And let's take advantage of this opportunity to bring many people to Christ at a time such as this. It's our opportunity, and we know what's going on, so we have a responsibility. Again, you might check out Bill's book, Eye to Eye, Facing the Consequences of Dividing Israel. You can find all of that, plus his e-newsletter information, on the web at watch.org. You know, I have not used this Bible verse in closing for a while, and I think it's needed today. It's Isaiah 33, 6. There we read, God will be the stability of your times, a wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. I pray that he is the stability of your times. There are times when all else will crumble, when people will fail you, when circumstances will overwhelm you, when the assignment you may be facing will be terrifying. So that is why God alone is the stability and the security of our times. I want to thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Contact us through our website, olivetreeviews.org. That's olivetreeviews.org. Call us Central Time at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. Four 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 four. We get our mail when you write to Olive Tree Ministries and Jan Markell, Box fourteen fifty two, Maple Grove, Minnesota five five three one one. That's Box one four five two, Maple Grove, Minnesota five five three one one. All gifts are tax deductible. The Bible assures us that our times are in His hands. He knows the end from the beginning. He's aligning all the players on the chessboard so that everything can fall into place.